you're listening to a slightly different version of Sharp Scratch because we're recording some festive episodes. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor but that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at the University of Manchester. And I'm excited to be joined today by lots of my lovely friends and some of the OG Sharp Scratch team. Let's do some introductions. Anna. Hi everyone, um, I'm Anna. I am a final year medical student at King's College London and I have said that so many times. <laughs> Always great to have you with us, Anna. Laura, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Laura, I'm, Anna. I'm a final year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Super buzzed to see you. Super excited to have you back with us, Lara. And Raihan. I'm Raihan. I'm also a final year medical student at Newcastle University, and it's been a very long time since I did a BMJ podcast recording. Oh, we're so happy to have you back, Raihan. I'm really so glad, glad to, to have see you. Back. So I'm so glad to be recording with you all and this episode and the next one for for these episodes we asked you our listeners to send us in your dilemmas. So this episode is going to be almost like an agony aunt style. Some of the med students wanted to be anonymous so some of the dilemmas are voiced by actors and friends. So let's hear our first dilemma. Hi Sharp Scratch team, I have a dilemma. So basically, my clinical partner and I share lift placement as we're currently in a DGH, but they're always running late and um, I can't make them leave on time, so it's making me late too. Um, even our consultant has noticed now, but my partner just really doesn't seem to care. So the days that it's them driving, I always literally consider just getting in my own car and leaving instead of waiting to get picked up. Or like when I'm waiting outside theirs, I'm like, oh, it'd be rude to leave because it's only going to be another minute. But that minute literally makes all the difference in rush hour traffic. So I just don't know what to do. Um, does anybody have any advice? Okay, guys, what are our thoughts? Well, this- what do you want? This is so sweet. Do you want the SJT answer or do you want our actual answer? (laughs) Both. Both. I think all three of us preparing for SJT, so we're we're really hot (laughs) on what is the most appropriate, the least appropriate. Well, no, I was more thinking like I go to a med school in London, so even when we're out at DGHs, like not really very many people have a car, Mm. so this is not a dilemma that I have necessarily Mm. encountered that much. I don't think I know anyone that has a car because if we're outside of London, we just get accommodation. Oh, so yeah. maybe you should go back in time and reconsider which place <laughs> you go to. Uh, real helpful <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. Probably Raihan, I'm guessing you're like me. Like lots of people need to drive to get it's out the to places. Manchester yeah. as well. Yeah. Do you guys have cars or do you rely on others for lifts? Um, so what I've done is I actually like the time alone to myself every morning. So I just drive myself, but I guess that's a practical solution. And do you not even yeah. offer lifts to other people without cars? No, no. If oh, your clinical mate. partner can't drive, would you not offer them a lift? <laughs> I if need they, the time to myself. If they can't drive, yes, I'd consider it. Um, <laughs> would you would you enforce silence? <laughs> no, so I just sit like... in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Just put my noise cancelling headphones in and, and zone out. But you're not allowed to drive with no. Really? <laughs> you're joking. Is <laughs> you joking? 
<laughs> no, I totally agree with you though, Ryan. Like, I don't drive, but that, like, I remember when I was at a, I was at a DGH that was the furthest away they could send us without giving us accommodation, and it took me like an hour and a half to get there. And I had to get up, but I mean, I was on labor ward, so I had to get up at like half five to get there for eight. But that quiet train, had my coffee. It was just bliss, you know, not having to talk to anyone, especially when you spend your whole day like talking to person after person after person. Exactly. It's amazing. So I totally agree. I think we should say, Lara, do you have experience sharing lifts? Yeah, so as I don't have a car, so like I, I mean, Cambridge is a super easy place to cycle around everywhere if you're here including to get to the hospital, lovely, lovely bike ride. So it's not that useful to have a car if you're only here. But as soon as you get sent out to the regions, obviously it can be like a right pain to to get mm. there and particularly like to come back in midweek makes it super, super expensive because like a tenner is all right for a train for a one-off. But if you're doing it twice a week for the weekends and if you're doing it a couple of extra times for rugby training, it just becomes an inordinate amount of money. And the medical yeah. school technically just refund us for the first and last journey. So it becomes not really sustainable so then lift yeah really? in because they pay for our accommodation for the weekends as well so there's a sort of expectation that we'll stay there the weekends but then oh, no one does that's interesting kings will fund you to go back to london that's that see that's that's really Which nice and really good. like i don't know recognizes that everyone's social support is, yeah social support is in your hometown mm. isn't it like everything you love yeah. is there right yeah so i'm always relying on people for lifts and i I'd say half the time I'm the late one and half the time I'm not, you know. it. <laughs> I feel like I've been on both sides of the coin. But it sounds really tricky if your buddy is always late, particularly if there's just two of you on placement, because then the two of you are always turning up and it looks like late both together, of you... together, exactly, yeah. Both of you are the problem. Um, it feels that's like that's really the dilemma tricky. Here. Yeah, exactly. I think, and yeah. I think I would definitely speak to them. Speak to them if you can. And... And if, if if obviously they're not listening and if they're still late, then there's nothing you can do, I guess, if you get pulled up on it and if you do get disciplined or professionalism meet in for it, then just drop them in the deep end. Oh! <laughs> do, you guys reckon, do you guys reckon it's... Uh, seeing us in this dilemma, it sounds like they both have cars and they just car share, they swap around. So do you think if they left them once, sort of like to teach them a lesson and then they could just drive themselves in late afterwards... With that, yeah, that's nah, that's too, that's too hot. Some more inappropriate. You've got no head on with this, haven't you? Yeah. 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 See, I, I don't think I would do that. I don't think I'd leave someone because I, I would be in the exact same position. I think, God, if they're mm. only like one other minute or two, I feel really mean to just get up and leave. Mm. But then I do know people who have done that, who have left yeah. people because they're like, no, I can't wait any longer. I'm yeah. doing you a favour. Yeah. It's quite but. passive aggressive, isn't it, to just leave? Yeah. You know, it's it's you got to give you. It depends. I mean, it it really varies depending on how good buddies you and your partner are. Like, if you know each other yeah. from before, it might be easier just to be like, "Hey, look." Sometimes I get super tempted just to buzz off because I really prefer to be on time. That stresses me out that we're late. Could you change yeah. something, or maybe we could perhaps consider driving in separately? You know, just put it as an option. You know, that if they don't want to change, that you have got your backup option of being able to take the car and still preserving the friendship without sort of having to be angry at your partner every single day yeah. that might be a valid thing but yeah definitely give them a chance give them a chance to change give them a chance to grow <laughs> i love it right yeah okay we'll talk about another dilemma in just a moment but we're going to take a quick break to hear about an offer available to sharp scratch listeners 
As a junior doctor, you want the latest clinical information at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. That's why, funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales, all NHS staff in England, Scotland and Wales have free access to BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice provides the latest evidence-based information structured around the patient consultation to help you treat patients with confidence. It includes differential diagnosis and treatment algorithms, videos of common clinical procedures, important update alerts for evidence changes, over 500 medical calculators, links to local guidelines and nearly 500 patient leaflets. Create your free account today by visiting bmj.com forward slash UK access. Okay, back to the show. So one of our... So one of our lovely listeners actually sent us in a voice note dilemma for us to respond to. Hey guys, um, I hope you are thriving. I just have a little clinical dilemma, which I'd appreciate some advice with. Um, I'm wondering, is it ever okay to swear in front of patients? Uh, I have to admit, there have definitely been times, occasions, when I've sworn in front of patients. It's usually been when they've expressed something really difficult or, you know, they've been in a lot of pain. And my mind is just automatically sworn. And I've been like, oh, you know, damn, that's so difficult. But obviously not damn, you know, maybe a slightly more colourful word. Um, and obviously it's it's unprofessional. But also sometimes that kind of reactivity can be helpful and like, you know, comforting and reassuring and shows that you understand where they're coming from. Um, and I think sometimes patients can actually appreciate you not trying to put on a facade and put on, you know, like your clinical sterile face. Um and especially in context of mirroring patients' language as well. Like, well, if, if they've sworn to describe something, then showing you recognise that, I think, sometimes can be helpful. But, obviously, we shouldn't all be swearing left, right and centre on the wards, because we can. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to know what you guys thought. Thank you. That's a very Horror. difficult one. Oh, John. <laughs> Have you guys ever yeah, sworn Yeah, I mean, I am, a, I am a chronic... I am a chronic swearer. <laughs> like, I love swear words, and I love swearing. I I would never swear at someone, I don't think. But I like them as an addition to you might swear my language. With I think it's just like <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And yeah, I just yeah, I just I just like swear words, but I think I have got very good at switching on and off because I often work mm. with kids. Obviously you can't swear in front of children. It's frowned, um, it's frowned upon. I mean I swear yeah. in front of my brothers. It's yeah. frowned upon, yeah. Although I'm sure there's no scientific evidence that it does them any harm. Um, so I don't know. It is difficult though, isn't it? In terms of patients. I don't think I've ever sworn in front of a patient. I I can really imagine a scenario in which a patient has said, um, it, you know, they've been describing their pain and they go, and I'm really sorry, doctor, but it's been shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for swearing my, my language, but I'm sorry. It's just been really awful kind of thing. And I can imagine just sort of replying and and being like, don't worry about it. It is a really shit situation. You know, just to kind of make it an okay space for them to express themselves mm. fully. Yeah, like but, validating the language that yeah, they chose. Yeah, exactly. But definitely like following their lead in doing so. I can't imagine responding to someone's awful situation with a, with a swear if they hadn't done so first. I think that's quite a... Uh, a, you're taking a step into the unknown because you actually don't know how they'd respond and you can't really 
you can you might want to assume based on what someone's look what someone looks like or how they speak otherwise but i think you can really end up souring the atmosphere of the consultation if if they look really taken aback that you've used a word like that to describe their situation because sometimes also if someone else describes your situation as really heavy-handedly in a way you haven't been vulnerable enough to do so yet it can feel quite um invasive yeah, you know I if you say like, like if you say yeah exactly like if you're saying like oh it's it's tough but I'm I'm making do I'm coping and someone else says oh that sounds terrible it can make you feel a bit like have you not should I you know not I mean that's yeah. that's my that's my thing to say not yours so I think yeah some you know definitely I think following someone else's lead is the way to do it and you know what? A really bad time to swear yeah, is like mid-practical skill. I'm about to take blood. <laughs> you're setting up and you go, oh, bollocks. That's not the time. Raihan, <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? I don't know because I, I, I see and I understand your point, but I feel like it will blur the boundaries between doctor and patient. And, and definitely as a medical student, I'd be very careful of, of swearing in front of a patient. Maybe as a doctor, yes, fair enough. But like I do get it because especially as, you know, the person who sent that in, um, it was quite nice how they pointed out. It it sort of, um, it allows a patient to feel like you, you're empathizing with them. You've really put yourself in their position and you really are feeling what they're going through. And and you share that the frustration that they they've, they're going through. But as a medical student, I'd be a bit careful, but I don't know. I feel like it does mm. blur the boundaries. Also, you do, I think, have to be aware like what other healthcare professionals might think because I actually got told off by a consultant for swearing. Actually, in a private conversation I was having with mm. another student um, in the coffee shop in the hospital. Um, and actually, there was, I, I, there was no way he would have known that we were medical students. He'd never taught us or anything. Um, but yeah, he was not impressed and I don't think he was very impressed with me looking at him blankly from behind my mask because I was so taken aback. I was like, this is clearly a private conversation. We're like basically whispering to each other. Um, so yeah, I think that's the only other thing to be aware of. Um, Mm. that really Mm. annoyed me as you can Mm. probably tell because I was like, firstly, don't (laughs) listen to my conversation just because you're a consultant doesn't mean you can go around eavesdropping. And secondly, like... You're not the language police. There was actually a moment earlier this week where I heard another healthcare professional swear and it was around lunchtime and they were like at the little food thingy, food like trolley preparing to bring a meal to a patient. And like I didn't, I wasn't hearing the conversation at all. I was like several metres away washing my hands. But until one of them swore really loudly and then sort of did like a look around, panicky kind of, Oh, did I actually say that out loud kind of moment? <laughs> like it slipped out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so obviously they just made a mistake or something and it was quite funny as a colleague to hear that and to witness their reaction. But they were also in a bay, so they were sort of like probably about eight patients within earshot. And then, you know, that is probably like suboptimal because they wouldn't have been able to see what had been the cause of that swear and wouldn't have been able to see the speaker's reaction and the sort of like oh no did I actually say that out loud moment they wouldn't have been able to catch that they'd have just heard the clatter and the swear which uh can be Mm. yeah I have to say I heard a lot heard a lot of swearing when I was on Ops and Gynae which is I think part of the reason why it appeals to me so much (laughs) it's a special (laughs) you found your place from who from who Anna (laughs) (laughs) from the patients (laughs) Uh. (laughs) from 
people who give birth. <laughs> I think that's a fair time to be swearing. Yeah. If there's a time, if there's a time and a place. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just like our favourite topic on Sharp Scratch of professionalism, isn't it? Because it's like mm. such a big part of the hidden yeah. curriculum. And it's like what John was saying about mirroring patients' language, I think, which is similar to Laura's point of if they've already used the swear word, perhaps you could sort of validate the language they've used by mirroring it, but mm. perhaps not open. I mean, there's exceptions to that too, because like if a patient is being extremely rude and somewhat abusive, that's not the time oh, yeah, to be yeah. mirroring either. No, that's no, the time no. to be <laughs> retreating into your <laughs> polite professional language place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Very valid point. Yeah. I kind of often think, like, would I say this if I was back working in the coffee shop that I used to work in? Really? Interesting. I wouldn't have sworn at any of my customers. Yeah, because yeah. it's like a yeah, customer yeah. service That's thing. A if a customer came up to you and said, wow, the weather's really crap today, isn't it? Would you be like, mm-mm? Or would you be like, yeah, it's super crap? I mean, like, you know, there's, I think there's, you know, it's very... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like what you said of, like, yeah. don't swear at them, but you can swear with them sometimes, maybe. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Cautiously. Well, I hope this doesn't come up in my <laughs> Because we don't have a conclusive answer. Rank the options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that if you're not totally confident, mm. I would always err yeah, on the side of caution. Totally agree. I think that's probably the best advice. Yeah. Okay, we'll discuss another dilemma, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, I think we have got time for one more. Woo! So, again, the med student wanted to remain anonymous, so let's hear it. Okay, so my clinical partner keeps presenting the histories I've taken from patients to our consultant and taking credit for them, meaning I've got nothing left to present. What should I do? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That is so snaky. Wow. Have you guys known med students like this? This is why I elected to not have a a clinical partner. Oh, you could choose. choose. You could choose. And I was, well, the main reason was because I was in like a friendship group of three and they wanted to be together. And I was like, I would not get on with either of them on the wards. So Mm. I decided to be alone. And it was actually like, I mean, I'm I'm very in favour of being on your own on placement particularly in final year like I think in your first year of clinical school it's really worthwhile having a buddy because you can push each other and correct each other but final year you get all the learning opportunities to yourself 
but that doesn't really help. Mm. I've done quite <laughs> a lot really of help nights. our listener who's, who's in a pickle. No. Um, this is very snaky behaviour. Yeah, that is I've, a hard one. But Raihan and Nikki, do you think you know anyone who's perhaps <laughs> I think likely I've to do this kind of behaviour? I've seen this happen. So, like, we might know people that it's happened to, but it, it's happened to more than one person. Mm. Yeah. So, like, it's a really difficult situation to be in, I guess, because it's like... Yeah. Do you just go and take extra histories and not tell your partner about them? And I think, yeah, yeah, that's all, yeah. yeah. I don't really understand what the logistics are of doing that because I'm going to be honest, I find it really difficult to concentrate if someone else is taking a history. Like my mind wanders so quickly. Like I wouldn't feel confident about presenting a history that I'd just watch someone else take because I'd be worried that I. Although something. I think in my. In first and second year, when we used to have like the odd placement day, they'd send us to take histories in pairs, and one person would take notes and the other person would ask the questions. So, I guess if it's that sort of situation, then the person who didn't take the history would have the notes. But then, isn't it something they did in pairs anyway? So, I think if you're bound, you... if you're bound to to have to have a partner, and you have to, like you were saying, Nick, if you've got someone who has to take the history, someone who has to make the notes, then I guess you're stuck and you've just got to deal with that for the rest of the year. But if you have the option <laughs> to just, you know, run off as quick as you can and, and, cut, and lose them, them yeah, then, then go for it. They'd do, the same, does... they'd do the same to you at any opportunity, so... <laughs> How does this you sound as an option? Like, so, um, your colleague, I'm just going to make up a name, Sam. There we go, gender neutral name. Your Sam, your Sam is going... Uh, oh yeah so this is the patient and this is the findings this is my impression blah 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 consultant turns to you and goes all right and who did you take history from today is it an option to be like oh actually the one that sam just presented yeah i i took that history and sam was listening taking notes so actually i can repeat yes. that for you but, you, but that's, you know as in just not you know not in a way to say like what a snake in front of everyone but just be like as if you'd pre-agreed it you know just be like in a sort of neutral way be like oh no that was the one that sam presented i you know i, I did, yeah, we did it toge- oh we did it together we yeah. did it together yeah yeah um i mean if well, you, i, I if spoke you can to claim, the same patient yeah or if you can claim credit for it because if you say we did it together you That's might true. come off as the one who's taking credit yeah. for work that you, you know. didn't Jumping do the back whereas of, yeah. you know if you say oh i took the history and, and sam was mm-hmm. listening in on that one then that might that might just clarify it and also means that Sam can continue to do it, but um, you might also just, you know, not let that just be a way of Sam walking over you. Mm. I think I would go for the confrontation, you know. (laughs) Not in a confrontational way, but I think I would just say, like, look, it's really... You need to go do some of your own history. To be fair, in the SJT, taking the direct approach <laughs> is nearly always the most appropriate thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. This is this is what my SJT yeah. prep has taught me. Now I would say, listen, Sam, I really enjoy being with you on clinical placement, um, but I do think that um, you know sometimes I take a history and you present it, and then I kind of just like feel a bit left out because I haven't got anything to say. I would make it more mm. about myself and the way it was mm. making yeah. me feel rather than Yeah, because then behavior. they can't argue with that. This is something that I've learned yeah. from yeah. psychology. Um, exactly, exactly. No one can invalidate yeah, your that's feelings. That's really good advice. Um, but I, I, think, I, think, I think you would definitely have to speak to them unless you can just like put your head down and get through the rest of that placement knowing that they're not going to be on placement with you in future blocks. I don't know how this person's medical school works. Like, for instance, when I was in third year, I was in three different firms 
and my last one was like six weeks it was shorter than the other two and I was in with these new people and they always used to arrange they all knew each other and I didn't know them they used to arrange teaching and not invite me which obviously was like quite upsetting particularly when I was like a a third year but I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rock that I didn't find out until like Mm. week four Mm. that they'd been doing this and I was like it's only two more weeks yeah I can just like get through this oh I'm sorry that's really Um, yeah I know that is really sad I know it's sad, isn't it? I'm sad for third year me too. <laughs> Do you? Got- but then I wasn't as confident back then. Like maybe I would say mm. something now, but no, no one, no one. Will cross I me. can't imagine anyone crossing <laughs> me now. <laughs> 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 yeah, I want Do you guys think? That- <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that this like dilemma is out of competitiveness, or do you think it's out of like the partner being lazy and not wanting to do their own work, or just sort of? combination mm. no i think it's competitiveness. that's interesting because i would relate it to laziness based on what i've seen examples that i've seen that are a bit similar um mm. so the sort of yeah really i would say like putting myself in that person's shoes the main thing that would be a barrier for me to taking my own histories is just simply that nervousness of approaching patients and potentially getting rejected by them, which obviously mm. is not like so much of an issue now that I've mm. seen so many patients. But I think when you first start seeing patients, it does take maybe sometimes like a little bit more confidence That's to true. actually approach someone and be like, please, can I talk to you? Particularly if, you know, there's no reason for you to do that apart from your learning. Um, I mean, maybe I'm just love being that. very kind. Compassionate though. approach, you know, maybe maybe this person's ward buddy <laughs> is having a tough time and... Yeah. If you're under pressure, if the consultant asks you, like, what have you done? Or, you know, present And you the haven't case, done enough. And you haven't. Like, yeah. of course you're going to panic and want and want to be able yeah. to, like... And you're like, oh, well, I went to see one patient and they were having a sh- bath. And then yeah. I went to see someone else and they had their relative with them. And then I went to see a third person. And then it was lunchtime no. and I couldn't talk like, to anyone. Like, you have actually been on the ward <laughs> yeah. the entire... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've been there the entire it's morning, so but you've done nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to be fair, maybe there's maybe there's an option of, of approaching your your body letting them know how you feel and asking if there's anything that's stopping them from doing it themselves um because you know you you do never know what is stopping someone from putting their all into placement like people might have stuff outside of placement that is also like just taking up so much of their brain space that means that they don't really have any like additional energy to be like putting lots of effort into into like getting over those barriers to self-directed learning I think I prefer the compassionate side and I'm, I'm hoping that the, this dilemma is because of the fact that that person was probably struggling themselves. But I want to pick up the competitiveness again. How do you guys cope with competitiveness with your peers? Because obviously medicine is like competitive at the best of times. Like we're all ranked against each other to compete for jobs. It's not it's not designed for us to not be competitive. <laughs> In our uni and undergrad, we get ranked and then the results of the ranking are put on some boards in a public place for everyone across the university to see. So it oh really my. starts from that. That is, that is, that is absolute banter, Laura. <laughs> that is hilarious. Can you imagine? Uh, so does everyone go um, to You look? get an email. So if you go to look, you're looking for other people, really. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, you get an email with yeah. your own ranking, mm. your own position in the year. So if you, you go to look, you're really looking. What does that reminds remind you me of? of like like those like American films where they put like the cast of like a play or something up, and everyone will be like crowding around yeah. to see like, who got the main part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that's thing, like, the vision I've got. 
people are really curious, like, who topped the year? Who topped the year? You know, to see if it's someone in your college or whatever. thing is, right, obviously this creates, like, a hyper-competitive environment, and it's, and it's, you know, it's not particularly nice, particularly with, like, first-year medical students who are used, perhaps used to being big fish in small ponds the and so on. Yeah, someone has to be at the bottom. It's really tricky, you know, so it's, it, that's not particularly nice. But I will say I was super lucky because with the college system... I ended up in a sort of college group of like 15 medics who were extremely collaborative. And, and so it was nice. the kind of idea, let's, as a cohort, be competitive with the rest of the year, but like okay. help yeah. each other out a lot. So we did like lots of group teaching around exams. Like we took turns to like present topics to each other and all this kind of stuff, um, which was very wholesome. And there were a lot of people in that group who were super smart Aroonies mm. who I learned a lot from. And it was That's just, really it was nice. really great, really collaborative. So in that sense, I feel quite lucky to have escaped to have at least had that, those first three years of uni protected, where we were in college groups a lot, protected from the hyper-competitive environment so that by the time I got to clinical school, I was not interested in it whatsoever. Yeah, I I would I am not interested in yeah. it at all. Like, I want to be top, but not because I want other people to be below me. <laughs> Just because that, because I'm very I do, content in the know? middle. Either. It's not. It's not anything. <laughs> I'm just to super do. content in the middle. It's not anything to do with other people. It's to, totally like yeah. my problem. Do you know what I mean? But I've never really experienced any competitiveness on placement. I think we talked about this a bit in the. Um, Raihan, you were in yep. the competition yep. one yep. that we talked about, right? Yeah. Like I've never, I've never experienced that. I don't know if it's just because I'm so like I'm too intimidating <laughs> that no one well, bothers to. Since, since we recorded that episode, um, I've actually been paired up with someone really competitive. So, like, I, I'll arrive on the ward, <laughs> like, on time, but the other person will have arrived, like, half an hour early and have, like, taken so many histories that I'm left with, like, two patients to see. Because you can't bother a patient again. Like, once, if a medical yeah. student has already bothered them, a junior doctor has, first of all, you know, spoken to them before the registrar and then the registrar might speak to them or the consultant and then a medical student and then a second medical student by that point i just you know i'm like <laughs> look i'll leave you alone like i'm sorry you've had to deal with all of these people <laughs> so then there's like two patients that that i'm left to see and so i've experienced that on the placement side i know exact i know how it feels but um i liked how laura uh, laura you said you, you basically checkmated the other person when you said if 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 there's a medical student and they they present the the patient back to the consultant i'd just say to them oh you know what um i actually took that history but they're just presenting it back to you um i i'd love to find some sort of solution where it's as smart as what you just did there um, <laughs> i'm gonna try figure it out in the next few weeks yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about this again. Like, there's been occasions on this placement that I've been on when we've gone in pairs, one person's taken the history and one person's examined. But it's actually quite difficult, I think, to present those two things yeah. individually. So I've ended up presenting an examination that I haven't done. But I will always say, oh, Maya examined and yeah. I just watched before I start presenting the examination because that's yeah, just I always think it's not that important nice, is right? it like if a consultant think, thought I did like two examinations or one examination like I don't really mind that much besides it's a real good like professionalism quality to be honest and having yeah. to about the work yeah. that you've done it's it's not really on to be taken doing presenting other people's work without giving credit um yeah. 
I think at the end of the day, it's it's about your own learning. Um, and and yes, a consultant or a registrar may quiz you on on you know what have you done. But if you know to if you know yourself that I've seen enough patients, I've learned enough from taking these histories. I feel confident at the end of this placement, um, because of the number of histories I've taken. Then then that's all you need. Like for example, there's been so I've done rotations in obs and gynae and pediatrics and. Obs and gynae was probably my weakest um, one. I, I did a few other placements as well, but by the the final week, I knew I wasn't confident or comfortable yet taking a full history and an examination. So I spent a few extra hours going through and and taking a few extra histories and and even asking some of the teaching fellows, you know, can you can you stay back with me for an afternoon just so we can go through an examination? At the end of the day, it's not, you, you know, you're not trying to show the consultant, look, I've taken f 10 histories today. Like, uh, do I get any brownie points? Or it, it's more so like, what have you done? And, and have you actually learned something today? If not, okay, maybe tomorrow. I think that's really wholesome, very good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, so what would your final bits of advice be to any of our listeners or to the those that sent in those three dilemmas? Like, have you got one thing that's resonated with you that, from our discussions that you think would be good bits of advice for those dilemmas? I think just to say, when you're a med student, I feel like all of these things seem like super sort of intense and important. And of course they are. Because it's your life every day, um, isn't it? But I think a lot... Exactly. But I think a lot of that does dissipate once you're in like the professional mm -hmm. environment like once you qualify like I don't think you see so much of that kind of competitiveness um Laura Laura you're smiling <laughs> well, as if this is not true <laughs> I'm just thinking about like now being being a final year medical student all of the stuff that I felt was really important and annoyed me when I was in third year like I just don't really care about any of that stuff anymore because ultimately I guess like right hand sets my focus is making sure that I know enough to be a safe doctor in August. And if other people don't want to do that, then it's not really my problem. See, I, the reason I made a face... I don't know. The Maybe that's the not good I advice. Made, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I just made a face because when you first started speaking about like the, the kind of stuff changes, I was just thinking about the SJT kind of questions where um, the kind of questions are so... It's like so much of it is about interpersonal drama in the workplace, which is something that will continue like you'll have interpersonal yeah. drama with your med student colleagues and then you'll have that except and you know with like up and down the hierarchy with other professionals and it like it simply will continue and so I think it is really worthwhile doing your best to work through that wholesomely directly di diplomatically when you're a med student because in the end that kind of skill is just going to and, it's, and that's not particularly specific to medicine. Like, interpersonal drama in the workplace is yeah. probably universal. Like, office jobs, just everything. And so if you're coming up against those dramas when you're a med student, like, you know, give it a, give it a shot because perhaps the stakes are a little lower um, whilst you're a med student than um, when you're a new doctor. And all that interpersonal teamwork and stuff affects patient safety and so on. So, yeah, give it, give it a good shot at, at approaching it directly and wholesomely yeah i second that i think um there's a lot to learn from these situations and and take away you know like okay you don't have to write a reflection but just generally reflect Your to yourself idea. yeah just reflect <laughs> reflect to yourself like you know what went well well 
Anna, you, you mentioned confrontation in one of the um, in the dilemmas, and and it, you know, with confrontation, I don't mean going up to them angrily and being like, "Look, you did this, and you will now pay for this." It's you know, you just okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, talking when, revenge. When, when you said confrontation, I don't know why, but that's what I imagined. But that's not so. When I mean like confrontation, you know, confront the problem at hand and and speak to them, and if if that goes well. And then, then you know that okay. Next time something arises like this, whether it's in the workplace or, or um, you know, wherever it, it may be, then speaking to them straight away rather than you know speaking to my colleagues or speaking to to everyone else but them, and and letting this escalate. Uh, obviously, confrontation then then is the better option. Um, so so see what worked well for you and what didn't, um, and then. If swearing doesn't work well, then... Yeah, and I think it's important to remember as well, like, um, people have different personality types. Like, I'm a very direct person. My first option will almost always be I will speak to someone about how I'm feeling because that's what's worked for me in the past. But actually, if that's not who you are and that's not your personality, then you probably have different ways that you've dealt with, as you're saying, Lara, like, interpersonal drama. Like, I always think about drama that I've had, like, in other jobs you know, like working with kids and stuff, it can be quite a tense environment. And being direct has always worked for me, but it might not work for you because you're a different person. Thank you so much, panel. And thank you to our listeners as well for sending in their dilemmas. I think that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks time, you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. I'd love to hear your ideas for what you think we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show. Until then, bye from us. Bye from us and happy Christmas. Bye. Bye. Yep, this is... Happy yeah, Christmas. happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>